News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, listen, uh, folks, i got to tell you real quickly about my friends at Otter Creek Farm. You hear their ads, uh, but but i, I got to tell you, I know them personally, all right? This, this is big doings. The Otter Creek Farm is like an oasis in the middle of North Alabama. It is, it, is, it is known throughout the nation. Donald Trump Jr. stayed there recently. They're featured in Garden and Gun magazine. I mean, it is a wing shooting destination, like the finest. You know, they got the guides, the guns, the dogs for pheasant and quail. They've also got amazingly beautiful facilities, very quality. And they've got a culinary staff that will cook for you like you would not believe. And all said and done, it's also an amazing wedding venue. I mean, this place is, is, is just something else. So I would encourage you, check them out, Otter Creek Farm. You can find their website at Otter Creek Farmstead. Dot com ottercreekfarmstead.com just check them out well i'm sitting here uh literally in the studio studio right now um got tired of sitting so i pulled the microphone up i'm standing up right now while i watch the pentagon briefing on the tv just unfold and the debacle just gets bigger and bigger so here's one of the things that's uh that's kind of bugging me um is that and i say bugging me i guess you got to talk to somebody but president biden just finished giving an address it's like only the Tenth time in his entire presidency that he has actually gone to the microphone like this, um, which is amazing when you consider where both of his two predecessors were, President Obama and uh, President Trump, both went to the media constantly. Um, but I'll, I'll play a clip for you in a minute that kind of explains why that's not a good idea. But anyway, what I'm saying is one of the things he said was, and, and he always refers to them as the Taliban. I'm not sure who told him to pronounce that Taliban, but it's <laughs> Taliban, all right? As far as I'm concerned, Taliban sounds like something that's on a kid's cartoon show. I don't know. But the Taliban uh, are out there, and he says they are in constant communication, constant communication with the Taliban and, 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 and receiving assurances that people will be allowed to get out. So you're negotiating with terrorists, by the way. You're negotiating with the people we've been fighting with, by the way, for 20 years. You're negotiating then with the people and trusting them. That's what gets me. You're trusting the people who were complicit in the planning of 9-11 that killed thousands of Americans. Does anybody see the deep uh, and unmitigated gall in this? Well, you know, it's a, it's a difficult time on the ground, but we're in constant communication with the Taliban. So freaking what? You're, you're in constant communication with the enemy. That's what you're telling me. You're talking to the enemy and hoping for the best. You're treating them like they're an organized government, and, 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 you're, and you're acting like they are a sovereign nation that you are negotiating with as you know, one world leader to another. It, 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 this, is, this is super bad precedent. Super bad precedent. Well, president and precedent. Um, so let me, I'll tell you what. One of the things that also was said, Copper, let's go ahead and get some clips ready here. So I got paper. I got all the paper. And I'm looking back through my notes. And we got, we got some clips. You know, there was, um, there was an amazing part that I got to hear of uh, President Biden's um, press conference just a few minutes ago. And, and by the way, let me make a side note. President Biden just called a lid at 2.30. He's leaving the White House for Delaware. Are, are, are you hearing me right now? Part of the world that we've been responsible for is in flames. Thousands of Americans are allegedly trapped behind enemy lines. He will not authorize, and I'll unpack that more for you in a few minutes. He will not authorize 
um, a rule of engagement, an authorization to go outside the wire and get Americans. And yet, it's okay for him to, for the second time this week, leave the White House for some R&R, I guess, at his home in Delaware. I do not get that. That is not leadership. Something, and, and, and something, something's wrong here, all right? I, I'm just, I don't know what to speculate. Is it his health? Is it his mental state? Is it, is it that he's become fragile because he never expected to have this much uh, controversy? It, it, what is the deal? Is it, is, it, is it this truly that he has zero idea what it means to lead? And that may be it, folks. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe he's not mentally unfit. Maybe he's not going through some kind of a healthcare crisis that they don't want to divulge. Who knows? I don't know yet. I'm just sitting here rumbling through the day. But, but what I do know is this. No leader should be leaving the central post right now and heading off for some R&R with things going the way they are. If this were if this were three weeks ago, I'd be going. Well, I guess he's got you know. I guess he's got some time off, huh? But now I'm sitting here saying you can't take time off right now. You can't. Oh gosh. All right. Well, listen. Speaking of which, hey Copper, uh, can you pull clip number three? This is in that uh, clip from Fox. Uh, clip number three. Uh, I think this is what about a. This is one of my longer clips, but it's a discussion with Joe Concha. Uh, and, um, and, and, and some of the, uh, the anchors from Fox and, uh, copper, go ahead and play clip number three. The own making where you, you do this decision to pull out U.S. forces without having this thing called a plan. Thousands of Americans could be left behind. This could be the Iran hostage situation times 100. And yet the president continues to have this schedule that is just so light. I mean, even if he does take questions today, the, the day is done by 2 p.m. Who works this way in any normal capacity, let alone during a crisis? So surely this 50-year political professional can answer questions from different reporters regarding it. But I have a feeling that's not going to happen in the vice president, you know, is definitely not going to take any questions because that's just not in her DNA. All right. Joe Concha, live for us. Thanks, Joe. Have All a right, good day. Guys. All right. Well, that, that, I couldn't have said that any better. And I agree with, with, with Joe Concha uh, straight up. I mean, who, who does this? I, you know, I don't care who you are. I, I remember one time I had a friend, you know, we had a Bible study and he was, a, 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 he was well, I'll, I'll just say this. He was a medical professional. And he had his kids, you know, in private school and, and nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is one day we were talking about tuition and he's like, man, tuition is getting expensive. You know, just, we've just been talking about, I don't know if we can keep doing this. And, and I looked at him, I said, you do realize you close your office on Fridays, right? Maybe you ought to work five days a week and not four. He did not appreciate that comment. But what I did was I just called him out. I'm like, dude, you, you could pay for their entire year's tuition just by your Friday take, you know, on, on, on seeing patients. And, uh, um, but, but here's the thing, what I was implying to him was, you know, you can work a little harder and it'd probably be all right. And, and that's what we're not seeing out of the white house. The very idea they're going to call a lid at two 30 on Friday so that Biden can leave the white house again. I do not see the way forward on this presidency. I, I do not, I do not see the way forward on this presidency. What if this has only been six months, where are we going to be in a year? And it's gotten to the point now that our international reputation is at stake. Germany has, con has, con Angela Merkel is, is, is calling this out. Our NATO allies are calling this out. And yesterday for the first time that I can ever recall, 
uh, our British allies, the, the, the members of parliament, literally condemned the United States. Don't try and tell me, Mr. Biden, that you, you, you haven't heard. And he did. He said today in his press conference he has heard of no international condemnation. Well, do they have a TV in the White House? Do they have the ability to, to gather up news and look at it? Look, look, folks, I'm just going to tell you right now. The idea that he can sit there, stand there, in, in, in front of the microphone, and God, you got to know that the sec def and uh, the secretary of state and the vice president having to stand on each side of him are hating life right then, hating life, because they know, they know they've been receiving condemnation from foreign leaders. They know our allies are livid right now. Hey, Copper, let's do another clip. Um, which one do I want here? Let's do clip number four. This is, uh, this is a um, member of parliament. His name is Tom Tugendhat, and he was actually a, um, a, a, veteran of the Af Af a veteran of the Afghan war himself, talking about the shame he feels in watching President Biden's actions. C Copper, go ahead and play clip number four. I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognized by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran, it's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colors they fly should be careful about criticizing those who have. You know, I listened to that yesterday, um, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, so in my own personal story, you know, we're, we're career army in my family, generational army. When I was um, in middle school and early high school years, my dad was the U.S. Army liaison to the British Army. We were stationed in London, England. His job put him in direct contact with what has always been our staunchest, most sincere uh, ally in the world, in the world. There is no greater alliance than the alliance between the United States and Great Britain. And since World War II, really before that, really World War I especially, but especially since World War II, it has been that way. And my dad served uh, directly in terms of liaising our forces for training and for um, doctrinal alignment and uh, had an office in downtown London and we interacted with any number of people who were high ranking uh, within the British uh, uh, military. Myself, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, I directly liaised with British SAS uh, and uh, hosted one of their teams uh, in my remote area for a period of time uh, to monitor certain operations. And, and, and so I'm just telling you, uh, having worked alongside them, having had a family members in, in direct positions of, of coordination and, and interaction, and just living in London myself for three years, I cannot imagine the day that we're in when a member of parliament himself a veteran of the same war who fought right alongside and was decorated by U.S. troops for his actions in combat, would say something like that. It got worse. It got worse. And I found myself hearing the speech at first and going, yeah, yeah. And then I thought, wait a minute. He's talking about us. That's our ally talking about us. And at that point, I just got a combination of grief and anger all at one point. And folks, that's where we are right now on this world stage. And I'm going to spend some time talking about state issues, talking about local stuff. But right now, I got to tell you, 
We are in an, you want to use that term that liberals love so much? We're in an existential crisis right now. We are facing right now what liberalism has done. We're facing right now what uh, anti-Trumpers have done. And every one of them has to wear this around their neck like a noose as far as I'm concerned. It is absolutely important that we regain our image. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to take right now. But it's going to take, I know this, a change of leadership. Absolutely a change of leadership. All right, Copper, we're heading to that short break, I know. So we're going to go ahead, folks, and, and move towards that short break. I'm going to regather myself, come back with some more clips and some more discussion about what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us as a people? And by the way, I've been communicating with my friend Hamid, working with uh, Senator Tubble's office, Tuberville's office, trying to get his family out. I'll give you an update on that when we get back. Phil Williams, News Talk 770 AM 92.5 FM WVNN Right Side Radio, where we are solid conservative and just plain right. We'll be right back. Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. Solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, Copper, I see we got a couple of folks hanging on the line. I hadn't planned on taking calls now, but you know what? I think I'll hold some of my material uh, and, uh, and take these calls. But I will tell you all this, too. Literally during the break, I got an email from Hamid, and I'm going to read that to you in a few minutes, too. But let's do this. Um, I've, got, I've got one on the line right now. Ray from Madison, I believe, is on line five. Ray from Madison. Uh, Phil Williams here on Right Side Radio. What you got, Ray? Hey, I'm a right side ruffian. And, uh, hey, good to hear you it, You know man. what? We, we as Americans need to start doing what Americans always do and not wait for the government to do something. We can donate to charities. I, there's one I know of, the Nazarene Fund, that's, that's ready to go and, and, and take action and, and and help these Christians and stuff that are in Afghanistan that are that are getting killed just because they're Christian. Yeah. I think yeah. as believers, we need to support that kind of thing. Right, Ray, that's a great point. Uh, so, uh, Ray, you mentioned the Nazarene Fund, you said? Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's one I'm not personally familiar with, but there's two others that I am. In fact, I even saw them in Afghanistan when I was there. And when everybody else was sort of hunkering down in Kabul or in the, lo- the safe area, so to speak, these guys were really out in the middle of nowhere uh, where it was dangerous. And one was Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham's organization, and the other was uh, an organization called Shelter for Life. And I was so impressed with the fact that they were literally in the mix and out there, I mean, like out there, putting it on the line. Uh, so uh, I, I, like, I like your tack, uh, Ray, and I agree with you. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more of what I would call the private enterprise, so to speak, uh, jumping in where the U.S. government is not doing a good job. Hey, Ray, thanks for the call very much. Thank you very much. Well, folks, listen, uh, I I keep talking about my friend Hamid. So to to back up for those who don't know, uh, during my time in Afghanistan, uh, somebody I became very close to uh, was our our young interpreter, Hamid, 
Uh, and Hamid, uh, several years after we got back, he continued working with U.S. forces after my tour, um, and he uh, and he then went on to work with other uh, U.S. forces, uh, and 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 did a great job. Uh, but at some point, his family was being threatened because of his involvement. Um, his brother was killed mysteriously, and Hamid then had to uh, uh, make a decision. And so he he fled the country. He went to Tajikistan, was in a UN refugee camp, and he contacted myself and another guy from the team. And, uh, and we were able to work with our congressman. In my case, it was Congressman Robert Adderholt, uh, who I greatly appreciate, uh, who helped me to get Hamid over here. He's now a U.S. citizen, doing a great job. Hamid actually became a U.S. citizen, got his college degree, got his master's from Yale, went back to Afghanistan, worked with the U.S. Embassy, and most recently was actually an advisor to President Ghani. Well, Hamid and I have been in constant contact here lately as I work with him because other of his family members were also working with U.S. forces, including his parents, and they're now stuck over there. And so he just sent me an email. I, I want to I especially thank, by the way, I want to especially thank the staff at Senator Tommy Tuberville's office because they have been extremely responsive. Uh, I have been sending things to them, and they have been helping us coordinate directly with the Department of State, and, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, and I'll, I'm, I'm willing to say it right here on the radio. So, Senator Tuberville, your staff is spot on. But uh, Hamid just sent me an email, literally just now. And, and I'll, I'll read it, and I may have to omit some things just to make sure I don't uh, give away any operational security for his family. But he said, hello, brother. He said, first of all, thank you for helping us. I am grateful to you. Attach, please find. And he has a complete list of family names and members and IDs. He says, it's extremely difficult to get through the large crowd of people that are standing in front of the airport gates. Most of these were not even associated with the U.S. government in any shape or form, yet they assume if they stay there long enough, they will be helped. This has made life extremely difficult for individuals such as, and he names some family members. At this point, even some of the U.S. citizens, he says, are stranded in Afghanistan having a hard time leaving. For instance, he said, a friend's parents, who are U.S. citizens, went to the airport to leave, but instead of leaving, the mother got trampled by the crowd and broke her leg, and she's at a hospital now in Kabul. There are occasional gunshots, the use of gas, and even a helicopter flying low trying to disperse the crowds, but to no avail. He goes on to say, on the other hand, one has to go through Taliban checkpoints now in order to reach the waiting crowd at the airport. The situation is becoming even more complicated. He says, I am hoping the Taliban will be pressured enough to secure a safe passage for our people, and the crowd will be managed. For convenience, he went on to say, here's some emails for the Department of State for anyway. Any, uh, all said and done, what you're hearing there is someone who is um, a dual citizen. He's in the United States now, but his family's not. And he's telling us, he's telling me exactly what's happening on the ground. And, and, and folks, that's huge. And one of the things he said to me yesterday, he's very concerned that what could happen very soon is the Taliban may wind up turning off the internet and cell phones, and that's going to be a crisis. All right, folks, News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 